Hello, welcome to Fun Fact Collectors. I am one of your many hosts, Bradley. I'm Jadrian, and this is the pre-show to the real show, which is us going to go play Baldur's Gate. Yeah. <laughs> so let's just jump right into it, because, you know, we got to chop, chop, chop. Baldur's not going to gate himself. Correct. Um, I have my Kirkland shirt on. Oh, I should have worn In celebration. I do not. In stupidification. Correct. Anyway, so tonight's topic. It's no sword and sorcery. It's no bards and battle mages. It's not caltrops and cantrips. It is the one. It is the only <laughs> Dungeons and Dragons nerdy uh, extraordinaire. That's really funny that uh, I brought us into Baldur's Gate uh, yeah. immediately with that. Well, that's well, exciting. Yeah. Well, I mean, all we've done for the last week is Baldur's Gate, Baldur's Gate, Baldur's Gate, Baldur's yeah. Gate. So I was like, ah, it's the week for it. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess, what do you know about D&D? Obviously, you've been around nerds for a decade yeah. now. I feel like my relationship with D&D is just, I feel like it's something I'm supposed to like because I'm a theater nerd and I like board games and I like fantasy. We've talked yeah. like Lord of the Rings and all that stuff. But the logistics of Dungeons and Dragons, I simply cannot stand. So which part of it? Just the fact that you have to get multiple people around the same table to all pay attention to the same activity for multiple time hours in a row. That's <laughs> if I she... D by myself, which I can now with Baldur's Gate. Or... Yeah, she says as so she's trying to get the friend group weekly board game night back together That's in which great. they've in which they've been playing a long-running game of Betrayal at House on the Hill that spans mm -hmm. multiple generations and requires or benefits from the same group of people getting together multiple hours, folks in the same thing. It's taken, <laughs> uh, what are we, year four now? Year three? We started pre-COVID. Yeah, well, we played pretty regular pre-COVID, then COVID came, then we just stopped. Yeah, well, anyway. And then we <laughs> immediately were like, let's do, we were immediately like, oh, let's start doing it Sunday mornings. And then immediately forgot about it the first weekend. Well, I mean, you can't interfere with the race either, so. Well, anyway, so. <laughs> anyway, let's get into the the D and D facts because, um, yeah. So we're not really talking so much about the mechanics of the game itself. Um, we're talking about like the facts surrounding the game, if that makes sense. So D and D started in the seventies. Uh, back when fun was being invented, right? 1972, we get Pong, the epitome of video games. And in 1974, we get Dungeons and Dragons. So it's back then. I mean, this is, what back is this? It's, I mean, it's, it's so, well, it's so long ago now. It's like 50, the 70s. Yeah, it's too many. The 70s were 30 years ago, man, right? Yeah, that's also where my yeah. brain is. <laughs> anyway. So, it was designed by Gary Gygax and Dave Arneson. Now, Strong names. Yeah, Strong. and Gary Gygax is kind of the guy who gets so much of the credit. Um, he He's the, in a loose sense, I think you could call him the Steve Jobs to the Steve Wozniak. I, I'm not saying he like stole it. Uh, like, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not that into the Apple lore. <laughs> um, but... Uh, but yeah, Gary Gygax is definitely the, like, if, if you ask who invented D&D, &D, lots of nerds are going to say Gary Gygax. Mm. You know what and, he is? 
I listened to our Benjamin Franklin episode today because I ran out of other podcasts and just needed background noise. Um, he's the crap. What is his name? I'm going to find it. Please hold. Oh. Yeah, that's fine. I'm checking a thought that I forgot to finish up in my notes. All right. All right. I just have, I found it. Okay. All right, go ahead. He's the William Hunter of being the first postmaster general of the United States. <laughs> <laughs> You're Benjamin Franklin, and I literally searched first postmaster general of the United States. It's just Benjamin Franklin that comes up. Nothing about William Hunter comes up. But if you search first deputy postmaster general of the United States, it cites Benjamin Franklin and William Hunter. Uh. So anyway, just a, a little callback to that. Also, we talked about how much you love milk in that episode. Oh, which I think I is funny. Milk. Then you then later did a, an episode <laughs> on milk. So. Milk's a, milk's a big thing. It's an important thing. Anyway, go on. Yeah. So I am also, so I'm going to go look, at this, look this up, um, but I could never find, or I haven't found an answer yet to like where Gygax as a name comes from. Because mm. um, it's it, it, it? G-Y-G-A-X. Very distinctive. That would be a great Scrabble word. <laughs> it, well, you can't you not use names famously in Scrabble? No, I know, but that's why oh, I'm okay. saying it would be yeah. great. Anyway, so I'm looking here now trying to figure out uh, what that name comes from. It's maybe like Swiss German or something. Anyway, point is Gary Gygax, the face of Dungeons and Dragons. Mm. So the when dragon. it came up, yeah, yeah, because I guess for last week, uh, we r- ran through because I was starting to get sick. I'm still getting over freaking COVID, man. Mm. Like, this is probably the longest I've had like cold and flu like symptoms probably ever and you don't and like it's, tell me twice yeah it's just like an irritating amount yeah I, have, fact, I hate covid wait i have in addition to having my little headphone horns and my kirkland shirt i also have a hot water bottle which i shoved under my shirt because my tummy hurts anyway right so we're all old now we're all old 1970 was 50 years ago <laughs> um the ghost of Dave is coming back for Brad and all right, we're all caught up. All right. And we're all caught up after that commercial break. So yeah. Uh, and the original Dungeons and Dragons came out with three rule books, men and magic monsters and treasure and the underworld and wilderness adventures. Okay. Uh, which to you as a non D and D player, I guess probably doesn't ring a whole lot of a bell, you but the, the, the three core books now for any D&D player uh, is the player handbook, the monster manual, and the dungeon master guide. And I guess let's back up a little bit farther. Um, what exactly is even D&D for, for people who have, who have never really heard of it? Yeah. It's, it's a tabletop role-playing game, often shortened to TTRPG. It's improv, but more nerdy. Yeah. Yeah, Which no one thought was possible. <laughs> yeah, so it really is just nerdy improv, um, and that's what kind of sets it apart. Now, this, I guess, you're, you're probably picking up on more of the D and D system from playing Baller's Gate. Yeah, I mean, I was already pretty familiar yeah. with it. Yeah, and like you know, a pretty straightforward thing in current D and D is armor class. Oh, I want to hit that guy. His armor class is 17. I need to get a 17 or higher on my dice roll. Or, or my dice roll plus my my bonus modifier. Yeah, so basically, let's break it down really, really basic. You have a character. 
you are playing through a story that the dungeon master who is like the the game director is yeah. is weaving sometimes there are visual aids but often there's not everyone just has to work together to use their imagination and it's all very open ended you can kind of do whatever you want but everything that you are trying to accomplish uh you have to roll a die which may have anywhere between four and 20 sides to uh to to basically pass the action that you're trying to yeah. do. pass the test yeah 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 it's basically like you said it's it's cooperative um extra nerdy improv Yes. I don't know why improv took me so long to find the way I was like, there. stand by, Brad's rebooting. <laughs> yeah, just rebooting a little bit. And now one of the interesting things, like a fun fact from old D&D, is instead of having this like fairly straightforward like armor class system to hit things, they had what was called Thaco, two hit armor okay. class zero, T-H-A-C zero. That's too but, many letters. Yeah. And... Like, I, I came across this, and it's the least intuitive thing. Because it's like, well, you have a Thaco value for your character, and you want it to be lower, and then you roll, and then you subtract. And I just, I don't know why it just seems so confusing when you read it. But like, I read a paragraph on it, and I was still like, yeah, I think I need to see a, a chart here. So, it's like a... D&D's come a long way, mm. let's just say, in, in the 50 years it's been around. Uh, it's also kind of credited with creating the alignment system. Like I, I think you probably you've probably even seen like either real or joke versions of this where it's like that that nine panel. I've uh, made these. Yeah, exactly. Right. You, you're you're you have chaotic, mm-hmm. neutral, lawful on one spectrum, mm-hmm. and you have good, neutral, Absolutely. evil on a different spectrum. Yeah. So that's largely credit with coming from D and D. Miniatures, like you said, they're not required. They're highly popular. Um, Although these days it's increasingly being replaced with like digital tabletops. Yeah. But some kind of visual aid. Mm-hmm. They also really popularized uh, kind of the standard dragon coloring. And I guess you're probably not familiar with this. Um, sorry, I don't want to keep saying that. That's offensive that's, to me. Yeah, it seems really offensive. So I'm I really offensive. Do you see that I am wearing little <laughs> devil horns on my headphones? I know. Well, are they devil horns or are they like tiefling horns? Um, they're just like whatever. Just horns, yeah. They're like, don't mess with me. So that's why you should stop being offensive. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So D and D breaks dragons down typically into two different. I'll call it factions. There's chromatic dragons and there's metallic dragons. And typically, never heard of this before. Yeah. So typically, chromatic dragons are your evil dragons. And your metallic dragons are your good dragons. So chromatic dragons are your black, blue, green, red, and white. Okay. And your metallics are your uh, brass, bronze, copper, gold, and silver. Ah, okay. Yeah. And so, um, and I think they, they basically have like their, their pair-offs. Like, uh, I think silver and white are both... What element are they associated with? Well, I can tell you that green is poison. Yeah, and I think copper is acid. Anyway, so th- there's that whole pairing of things where it's like, you know, these dragons have these kind of traits, they look this kind of way. Um, 
you know i think i think like blue dragons are typically like coastal and lightningy like there's this whole kind of mythos and, and not that every other game that consumes dragons uses this but it's kind i've of... literally never heard of this before and i would yeah. say that i consume like a lot of fantasy content yeah so. i mean that's a little more like specific to D. yeah um okay try to follow my script here which is super duper off the rails mm. uh but yeah so they were making eight million dollars a year in the early 80s off their D, which is wild in considering that like at its basics you have no equipment you yeah. know what i mean it's just people talking theoretically yeah. you can play this like this could be a game that is played I guess you need dice. That's it. Yeah. But like this could be a game that was played around campfires thousands of years ago in theory. Yeah. Yeah. There's nothing stopping you from doing it. Obviously, the benefit to buying the rule book is having all the rules laid out for you to kind of give you the framework. Yeah. But yeah, exactly. At the core, this is just collaborative storytelling. Like we could just sit down and just play a game of yes and, you know, with with five people. Isn't that this podcast? (laughs) Yes. And. (laughs) The reason that's so good is, um, here, just one second. I got to take a, a quick little bathroom break. I oh, rushed okay. too hard into this. Okay. All right. Burp. Cool. All right. Recording resumed. Crisis averted. All right. Perfect. Brad uh, had to reboot. Concentra- concentration restored. Perfect. That's what we're saying. You're saying right. That at the core, there's not a whole lot that you actually need to play D&D, which yes. is 110% right. Yes. And there's you a just huge. enthusiasm and friends. Yeah. Neither of which I have. <laughs> yeah. That's, those are the hardest parts. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's a huge range of like how into it you can get. Like you can um, like that, that player's handbook, dungeon monster or dungeon master's guide and monster manual. That's, you don't even need that really to play. You can go even more bare bones than that. And you can just go with what's called the, uh, the system reference document or the SRD which is a super exciting name. Basically, it's the the core bit of the D&D game set rules that the company who owns it made public. Um, I think it's open source or open license. Um, yeah, it's CC. Yeah, so it, it's Creative Commons license. So anyone can use these rules. Um, you, you're, you can go find the standards and just print that off and use that as the basis for your game mm. and go start playing with, with that. Um, if you want to go even a step further, you can just be like, uh, I want to punch the thing in the face. It's like, uh, I guess let's roll a dice and let's see if we think that's a high enough number. Like, mm. you can even just do it like that if you just want to, or, or you can do coin tosses, right? You goosey about it. Yeah. Uh, but the SRD lets, gives you kind of the core rules, and then you can get all of the extra fun bits from that. Um, you can play sessions or, or campaigns that you've bought in a book, either from uh, Wizards, the company who publishes it, or from like third-party people, like Cobalt Press is a group that puts out a lot of stories. Um, or you can just write your own stories. You can make your own miniatures. 3D printing miniatures has become a huge thing yeah. lately, obviously, with the explosion in 3D printing. Um, you can buy official miniatures, you can buy official maps, like there's a whole ecosystem of stuff you can buy, but you sure don't have to, mm-hmm. but you can if you want to. And we'll get into some of the drama about oh. that later <laughs> Suddenly I am, my interest is peaked. Exactly. But before we get to the drama, let's talk about the history. Okay. So the question I really wanted to 
final answer to was surely D&D can't be the first game like this. Mm. But I think it is. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. What are your parameters for defining this? Yeah. And, and obviously like this draws box in air with hand is yeah. not a very well defined hypothesis. But I was like, there must have been other games before where you um, where you were playing like a character. And, and I think like the, the character, the role playing part of it, mm. I think that's the hardest part to nail down. And the closest I was able to find for an almost direct precursor. So I was like, it, it, you know, was D&D is one of many things and it was the mm. one that stuck. Mm. Uh, it's, but yeah, as far as I can tell, it, it's, it's so different from all the things that came before it. that I think you can call it, you know, kind of a new thing unto itself. Yeah. You know, a bunch I of competitors like... like troll, like tunnels and trolls came out two years afterwards, uh, which just seems like, you know, I've never heard of tunnels and trolls prior to researching this. I feel like even like turrets and trolls would have been better. Yeah. Why tunnels? Who's to say? I don't um, know. I, I feel well, like tunnel, dungeons, tunnels, like underground. Playing pretend the way like kids do is, you know, as old as time, yes. but it lacks the um structure that lends uh D its dndness exactly and then structured games have existed for a very long time things like chess and that kind of yeah. thing but it lacks the like role-playing character elements of it um so i guess it does make sense that like the first thing to combine those two elements is Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, and by golly, do they have to be com combined? There's, there's nothing worse than playing with as a kid, and you're like, I totally hit you with my laser. It's like, uh, I have a laser proof shield, and you can't get through it. It's like, but rules are fun, says yeah. Brad. Exactly, rules well, bring structure. I used to make my brother sword fight me, and he would get a stick, and I would get an iron poker. That seems uh, illegal. Well, but I would always win the sword fights. So, you know, I used to be King Arthur and he would be Merlin. Jade, the champion of assault. <laughs> anyway, so no. So the, what, what I think you can maybe call sort of a precursor to, brought to Dungeons and Dragons is Bronstein. Okay. Um, and there's a whole lot of caveats about this. It's Wikipedia calls it an experimental game and game genre. Okay. Uh, introduced by a new guy to the story, David Wesley, who was a member of the Midwest Military Simulation Association hmm. in the 1960s. Okay. Uh, what a character. And this is probably the most direct and um, like military simulation or war games mm. are probably the most direct precursor yeah, to sense. the combat part of D&D, at least. Yeah. The idea that, okay, I have, you know, this this um, miniature or miniatures, and they have abilities, and we're going to fight with them. Yes. Um, and actually... Tactical. Ta yeah. War tactics, like and, in Game and, of Thrones, and they have all the little characters yeah. on the board. And this actually goes... I, I'm sure it goes way, way, way back. Uh, but one, like, early modern example in the 19th century is Kriegspiel. Okay. which is a Prussian war game. Uh, Cause of course, Prussia was big on the war yeah. and they were like, Hmm, how do we train, uh, you know, new like military commanders? It's like, Oh, let's invent Kriegspiel. Cute. Which Very literally cute. translates to war game in German. 
Very cute. Um, yeah. So imagine, like, you know, you're some, like, Prussian general. You've just got finished, you know, being Napoleon. It's like, oh, boy, I can't wait to get home and write a Kriegspiel campaign based on this. <laughs> um, but Bronstein was, so, um, it was a Napoleonic war game set in a fictional German town, and it was set as a multiplayer, multi-objective game where he assigned individual roles to each player. Oh. Because in Kriegspiel, it's more like, oh, uh, I task this d- division with securing that hill. Mm. Right? You're not playing as Fritz, the company leader, and yeah. have a, a personal connection to the 20 men under your command. It's, I tell them to go die on that hill for the glory of the, the emperor. Yeah. Or whatever. It's risk. Yeah. Yeah. Um, whereas Bronstein, it was like, hey, yeah, Bob here is playing, you know, the the bank the, the banker of this town. Ah. And so it's a little more into the role-playing aspects mm. of things. And then, uh, so he ran this in 1969, so five years before the release of Dungeons & Dragons. Cool. And then there were some more scenarios run. Uh, later on, he has to leave to go actually be in the real army. Mm. But his one of, one of uh, the other members of that was it the Midwest Military Simulation Alliance? Dave Arnston, who if you've oh. already forgotten, <gasps> was the co-creator of Dungeons and Dragons, uh, got involved in helping run that then. And so this is credited with some of the role-playing aspects of D&D. Uh, if you go and just look at the role-playing game section of Wikipedia, um, Well, I sure did look at it at some point. Basically, it's uh, the live action role playing has actually been around seemingly for less long, or at least that the kind of like the structured live action role playing that you might picture when you picture mm. people LARPing, mm. you know, dressed as a wizard running around the woods. Mm. Um, like the LARPing of that stuff kind of came from tabletop RPG. So that it's makes more sense. of just a human sized tabletop RPG. Yeah. Just before that, it was just you were in a play yeah. as opposed to like this like dynamic experience. Yes. So really it's kind of like the Halloween murder party that you ran for us a couple years ago. A couple years ago, man, Maybe that several. was a long time ago. 10 years ago, probably eight years ago, not 10, eight years ago. Yeah. Eight sounds closer. Yeah. Yes. I did design a Halloween murder <laughs> mystery game where I made all of my friends come to my house and dress up as characters and try to figure out who murdered the person. And it was good rule-based fun. <laughs> That's the title of the episode. I'm going to write good down rule-based that. fun. Okay. But yeah, so what really set D and D apart from war games, we were basically kind of nailed this down, but it's the fact that you're building and playing your own character. It's that character customization. I mean, hell, that's what got you into Baldur's Gate. Like, no joke. So me, Jade's husband, and our friend were like, hey, let's play a game tonight. Oh, well, Jade's not really feeling this other game we've been playing, four players. Da-da-da. You know what? You know, let's let's find all by Baldur's Gate, the three of us, and go play. Which is Two- offensive that I was not included in this plan from the beginning. Uh, you were in the group chat. No. But it also, it was a Jade isn't in the mood for playing games. Let's go find a, new, a game to play the three of us. Okay. And okay. no sooner, no sooner do we start launching Baller's Gate into the character creation. And Jade's like, 
Ooh, what's that? <laughs> I won't play that. I want to make a character. I just want to. And now my character, my favorite one of the many characters that I have made, because of course you must make multiple, is a gnome um, sorcerer with dragon heritage. And she's really smart and really small. And she's dragon scales on her face. And then uh, my husband is a half orc a fighter or something barbarian. barbarian maybe um so and he's really dumb but he's really strong so we got a, like a a tiny big powerhouse duo yeah and you can do a whole so much like storytelling even in Baldur's gate where you know the background of your character doesn't really matter you can still flesh it out it's still fun at least for a player or yes. i find it fun <clears throat> now the thing missing from Baldur's gate is the dungeon master or the game master some variants will call it the dungeon master contrary to what a lot of people kind of fall into thinking it's not the players versus the dungeon master the mm. dungeon master is not your opponent you're all on the same side of let's tell this fun story together it's just the dungeon master's job is to you know run the rest of the world and and help manage the way you interact with stuff yeah so, the dungeon master is like is the facilitator yeah like you shouldn't feel like the dungeon master's out to get you <clears throat> that's probably a sign that your game's gone wrong mm, interesting yeah so let's run quickly through the actual history of the game itself so 1974 we get the original Dungeons and Dragons, including such memorable classes as fighter, cleric, thief, and magic user. I <laughs> will say there are now, I think, too many different types of magic users in Dungeons and Dragons. Oh, it's a hot take. It's a hot take, but I feel like when you're, you're saying magic user, are you talking just like uh, wizard versus you have wizard, sorcerer, sorcerer versus warlock? Those are three, <coughs> and yeah. three is too many. <laughs> IMHO. Oh, but they all have such like different Find flickers. me in the streets. Find me on the mountain pass to Baldur's Gate. You get shanked. That's fine. So anyway, this original Baldur or um, Baldur's Gate, this original Dungeons and Dragons that came out in seventy four was repackaged as uh, Dungeons and Dragons Basic. Okay, that makes sense. And it sold in parallel for a number of years uh, with what came out in nineteen ninety seven called Advanced Dungeons and Dragons or AD and D first edition which is basically hey let's get even more into the details right hmm. whereas as uh, od and d was like da 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 oh yeah you can do this oh yeah you can do that ad and d was like here's the rules get on board <laughs> rules are fun exactly uh and then in 89 we get ad and d2 uh another decade later in 2000 we get just dungeons and dragons third edition so this is actually the fourth iteration of DD overall the third iteration based on the advanced rule set and i think around this point in time uh the basic rule set kind of goes away and we just get 3e uh and they're, they're often shorthanded to just letter or sorry number e as an okay. addition okay um and so third edition was actually the first one to be uh, published by wizards of the coast uh previously it was published by the company that gary and friend Dave. who's the live horse, Dave. 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 Yeah, Dave uh, create it. And then actually, I hard to figure out how did it wind up in the hands of 
Every minute you spend doing extra research on That's the Baldur's, on the D&D episode. That's true. Anyway, we don't so, play Dungeons. Uh, it, it gets to Wizards of the Coast. Um, who, fun fact, are also the people who do Magic Magic the Gathering. That tracks. Yeah. I feel like a lot of the art is very similar. Well, and that's intentional over the last, I, I assume, you know, 22 years or however long they've been co whatever. And you know who owns both of or who owns Wizards now? Post Malone. Hasbro. Oh, really? Yeah. Kind of funny. So every time you buy a D&D book, you're supporting the suits at Hasbro. Who? So yeah, that Post Malone I mean, Malone I also card, own like 17 versions of Monopoly. So That's true. They're getting lots of your money. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so you mentioned Post Malone because he just bought a quite famous... Um, he bought the one ring. Yeah, as a Magic the Gathering card. But fun fact, do you know who the Pinkertons are? Yes, like a yeah. Pinkerton detective company? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Do they conjure good thoughts for you? I mean, they're kind of zesty. I'm into it. Isn't there, isn't there like big shtick, like strike breaking? Um, maybe. I don't know. They're yeah. just like, guys... Nah, see, when you say Pinkertons, I picture, like, you know, like, uh, uh, corporate suits working for, like, you know, a railroad tycoon coming to break of a strike. I picture uh, a private investigator hired by a, I don't know, rich elderly person to go into a small town and solve a murder. I don't Where are you getting your Pinkerton stuff from? Lizzie Borden. Is it the Australian one? No. That's Lizzie yeah. Borden, who killed her father with however many know. whacks of the anyway. axe, and then anyway, it's it's New England. Anyway, lore. okay. Well, All the right. Pinkertons, the Pinkertons definitely are involved in, or were back in the day in strike breaking all that kind of stuff. Yeah, somehow still exist. I'm not I don't a know Pinkerton apologist. I'm not yeah, yeah. saying that. I just want to be clear. Yeah, and so some guy. Um, bought a box of and i forget what they're called but like one one run of magic gathering cards was called like the infernal machine or something to that effect okay. and then the expansion pack that came out afterwards like the infernal machine cogs and gears or whatever okay right it, it, it was there were very similar names very similar art styles and so yeah. he, he bought a box of the current set yeah and got the future set that hadn't yet been released oh. so somewhere in the supply chain someone messed up He's a YouTuber. He's like, wow, guys, look, I ordered this. I got this by mistake. Look at the stuff that's inside. And instead of Wizards of the Coast being nice about it, mm. they send the Pinkertons to his house We're to threaten him. Up. Wow. Like, you better give us this card back. That's spooky. Yeah. And like, <laughs> like, it just seems like a PR like nightmare. It does. It's just like, you're just a guy who bought a product. If you screwed the product up, that's not my fault. Yeah. Like, I bought this. If you want it back, like, you know, give me like a crate of the card of the old cards and sure, I'll give you this one back or whatever. Like, yeah. there, there's better ways or to just, just email the... me. You don't yeah. have to come to my house. Yeah. You don't have to send, you know, a hired thug. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, so 2000, we have third edition, uh, 03, we get 3.5, because uh, I guess they want to, to refine that pretty quickly. Uh, 2008, we get fourth edition. This is where I kind of started. I guess I'll back up a little bit. So third edition, uh, the big change there was a big overhaul to the D20 system. Okay. Um, 
which I think brought a lot of what we are familiar with now as D and D before. Like you know, we talked about like like T eight, like Fac Zero, and all that stuff. Yeah. Do you want to explain what a D twenty is? A D twenty is a twenty sided dice. Uh, in D and D parlance, you talk about the the dice by just saying D and the number, so a D four, okay. a D twenty. Fun fact: uh, it goes all the way up to D one hundred. Also called percentile die, but because a hundred sizes a lot on a dice, mm. uh, we actually just use two d tens. Mm. Uh, one that has um, the the tens places on it, so 10, yeah, 20, 30, 40. Just a small point. And then yeah, yeah. But anyway, uh, so fourth edition comes out in two thousand eight, and it's way more focused on like tactical gameplay. Mm. So on the combat, which gets a little bit of pushback or backlash from the community uh and i think that's what spawned off what's called pathfinder which came out in 2009 which is based on 3.5 so it's kind of the the you'll take my 3.5 from a cold dead fingers crowd <laughs> they're like screw you we're making we're making our own tabletop rpg called pathfinder Ooh. uh and then finally in 2014 we get fifth edition which goes a little more back towards how 3.5 worked. It's more focused on storytelling. It simplifies a lot of the um, tactical uh, combat-focused stuff from 4th edition again. Yeah. Uh, and now we're at the point in the life cycle where the next generation of D&D is kind of starting to float around. Like, what's what's the next one going to be like? And mm. how's it going to work? And da-da-da-da-da. Yeah. But now we have... D and D and D, digital Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> Baldur's Gate. Well, do you know Baldur? Like this is this is actually Baldur's Gate three we're playing, right? Yes. Yeah, and I this makes me want to go back and try like Baldur's Gate one and two, um, but those came out like twenty years ago. Yeah, they're they probably old. not fab. <coughs> twenty years ago in the eighties. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but they came out. They were done by Bioware. Yes. Do you know Bioware? Yes. Yeah, because they made Dragon Age. Yes. Yeah. Um, I like Dragon Age. Yeah, I still have to go play Dragon Age. It's fun. <laughs> I know. You bought me a copy. I haven't played it. Wow. I don't remember <laughs> buying you a copy. <laughs> I mean, good. Yes, forget it. Eight years ago. <laughs> <laughs> it's been so long. But yeah, and, and playing Baller's Gate has been like, wow, I remember all these fun uh, CRPGs, computer role-playing games as a kid. And then, oh, they're actually all just Bioware games, mm. right? Um, Mass Effect, Bioware. Yeah. Lord, uh, Knights of the Old Republic, Bioware. The, yeah. the, the two hours of Dragon Age I've played, Bioware. Yeah. It's all Bioware all the way down. But the new one is not, right? No, the new one's Larian. Mm. I think Bioware's dead now. Rip. Well, because they got bought by EA, made Mass Effect, uh, ruined Mass Effect 3, and then died. Yeah. More or less. Come on, like, EA. Yeah. And they are Canadian, so RIP. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, okay. It's, it says parent company EA from 2007 to present, uh, but I don't think they've done a whole lot. Uh... 2020s. Don't forget every rabbit hole you go down. Yeah, yeah. It's a rabbit hole away from playing Baldur's Gate. Hey, they just laid off 50 developers in order to increase efficiency. Good job, by the way. Oh, I'm gonna yeah. be so mad. I'm so mad. Um, that's a different podcast. Yeah. All right. So, what else is fun about D and D? Beholders are another like original D and D creation. They're not like obviously dragons 
have existed mm-hmm. in like we could do a whole podcast episode just on dragons easily have we talked about you could probably do like a whole podcast just yeah about true dragons. like going it because like what what even yeah like what is a dragon like every culture like you know like like chinese dragons versus mm-hmm. norse dragons versus like dragon king arthur fights yeah like I'm, I'm sure there's something we call a dragon from like africa oh, i don't but- know if there's actually dragons in king arthur there has to be. It's well, there's like the dragon, thing. like in, in the show Merlin, there's John Hurd the dragon. But I don't know if in the original, like, core Arthurian lore, if there is a dragon. Well, we'll save that for the dragon episode. We'll save that for the King Arthur episode. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I mean, we, we touched on it a little bit um, when we did the Sea Monsters episode. But it's such yeah. a huge <clears throat> undertaking that to get into it is just too much for a side tangent yeah so yeah the dungeons and dragons in dungeons and dragons obviously weren't uh new inventions but the beholder was actually do you know what beholder is no I, well i should I, well even if you do i should explain it for the listener anyway you should. so a beholder is imagine one giant eyeball okay honestly yeah, imagine, imagine a skull but instead of two eyes you just have like one big cycloptic eyeball a mouth and then i think it's 10 eye stalks coming out of it wow i hate that oh they are ugly like go just just google beholder oh it's like he looks like ghastly yeah if ghastly had a bunch of extra eyes yeah he looks like ghastly and jubba the hut had a baby (laughs) i like that but yeah so they're they're incredibly powerful magical like boss type things um you know like each each of their eye stocks has like a different magical effect they can do cool. like they're you know i've never fought one in game uh before but there's so much cool stuff there's also so much stuff that um the D community you know has just kind of borrowed from the rest of it like yeah. do you know what the difference between a hobbit and a halfling is um not off the top of my head a lawsuit. Oh, interesting. Hobbit is registered trademark JRL Tolkien Estates. Halfling okay, that, I is mean, generic. That makes sense. That makes yeah. sense. So yeah. I was surprised that they have like Hobbit copyrighted or trademarked or whatever. I mean, I'm not. <laughs> um, there's actually a YouTuber I watch who used to be the channel is called Part Time Hobbit, and she was like, "I'm getting big enough, and I've realized that Hobbit is trademarked, so I'm changing my name before I get a lawsuit." Yeah, probably for the best. Yeah, um, but yes, now, now it's Jess of the Shire. You'd probably like her. Um, if you like Lord of the Rings or nerd stuff, that's kind of her shtick. Mostly Lord of the Rings. Um, I've enjoyed some of her stuff. Anyway. So, you're soul on this, right? Everyone's listening to this podcast going, wow, Dungeons & Dragons, rules. I love following rules. Bradley, tell me, please, how do I go follow more rules? <laughs> So like I said, I think I said earlier on, but you can basically, you can buy entire pre-made um, sessions in modules. So playing Baldur's Gate has me being like, should we start playing more D&D IRL? Um, and I know in the past I've tried to run uh, homebrew. So like writing my own world, my own story, my own everything. And oh my God, it's so much work that I don't have the time for <laughs> or, or the discipline to do correctly. So yeah. I'm like, ooh, maybe I should actually just try and, uh, you know, baby step back into DMing and run like a pre-made module. Hmm. Uh, I think that'd be fun. I will consider it. 
Yeah, think about it. Um, we talked about uh, uh, yeah one one common um, fault I'll say is when you get into, into you know being a DM is having this like crystal clear story of I want them to do this and then this yeah. and then this in mind. That's not no. improv, maybe. No, yeah, it's co- like you want to set a stage and have a bunch of props ready. Mm-hmm. You don't want to be like, here's the script. <coughs> yeah, it's not an escape room. It's it's yeah, it's a it's a open concept room. <laughs> yeah exactly it's an open concept it's a sandbox room. it's not an escape room yeah and realistically if you want to write you know a very specific story write a book <laughs> okay no, this those is are more fighting words. for me hot take huh i said hot take brad's coming out those are fighting words if you want to <laughs> write a specific story write a book yeah uh i promise you some drama you did promise me drama game license so as I mentioned, uh, Dungeons and Dragons is now owned by Hasbro, i.e. a bunch of corporate suits. Mm-hmm. And in addition to sending around thugs to rough up people who they send the wrong package to, mm. they're also flirting with reneging on what's called the open game license. So as I mentioned, lots of people write stuff mm. that you can use in D and D. So for example, um, like the Cobalt Press is a company that that only exists i'm pretty sure to write like place settings to write stories hmm. you know it's like hey i have a story i don't want to have to write like ooh, this is the town of blurgenblurgsville yeah. and here's this and here's that like i can just buy the setting and plot my story into it i can buy a whole story from them hmm. and so under this old open game license um you know people could use stuff like beholders that i assume are registered trademark da 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 whereas if you you know weren't working under this license you couldn't do that and so the drama is <laughs> uh, there was a leaked draft i say mm. draft in air quotes because uh, it seems less like a leaked draft and more someone pressed publish before they were supposed to mm. on, on the final version mm-hmm. where it basically said hey guys uh so instead of you getting to write a bunch of stuff for the the D ecosystem and I can't remember if the original OGL had like some, like you had to pay some royalties to Wizards of the Coast, but the new OGL was not very open at all. And it was basically, hey, anything you write under the open games license, we actually get a perpetual non-exclusive license, da 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 da. Like, you know, we, we, we get to do whatever we want with mm. what you wrote. Also, you have to give us way more money than you used to. Mm. Um, like it was like super punishing, and so there's a whole bunch of community backlash out of that, uh, and basically folks going, "Well, okay, time to leave the D and D ecosystem and move yeah. to Pathfinder or move to Dungeon World because there's yeah. like there are so many TTRPG systems out there. Like there's like a Star Wars one that's all set for, um, it's like Outer Rim." something like i don't think it's like super like jedi focused mm-hmm. um there's like space ones there's cyberpunk one like well like, cyberpunk cyberpunk's a ttrpg mm. yeah that got turned into a, a book and a video game and all that stuff yeah so there's so many systems out there there are some weird ones unsurprisingly well i mean yeah yeah 
the whole thing lends itself. I mean, you say role playing, you say dungeon master, it leads you to yeah. all sorts of interesting places. Yeah. Um, so I think these are all of the main points I had. Do you have any questions about Dungeons and Dragons or threads I've forgotten to hit? Um, not really. I don't have any questions. Um, I do find personally the most interesting part of Dungeons and Dragons to be the, um, like the class system and the skill point allocation Mm -hmm. because i think the way that it works is again it's it's like as big as your imagination can make it with rules which i find really interesting so like i was talking about with the characters that i've created in um baldur's gate 3 where you can have a character that's like really really smart and really really charismatic but you only have so many points to put into these traits. So if you're going to really bump up your points for your charisma and your intelligence, well, you're not going to have points that you can then spread around to your strength. If you bump up your strength, you're not going to have points to spend on other categories. Or if you spread them all evenly, you're not really going to be great at anything. You're just going to be okay at everything. Um, And then I think on top of that, it's really interesting the way that the, um, like the, there's, there's your races, which are your things like halflings or elves or humans or whatever. And then there's your classes, which are what you were talking about in the original game. I think you said there was like fighter, thief, magic user, and the fourth one, cleric. Um, and now there's, there's many, many more, but those are almost, they're kind of like professions. Yeah. Um, and you love to be a bard, which I don't understand. I just like bard mechanically because they're so like, um, like skill monkeys. Like for example, in my single player Baller's Gate game, <clears throat> like my bard gets a plus one basically to every single role no matter what it is mm. um there's some roles where i get where i'm giving myself like plus seven or plus eight wow. like for persuasion and, and i did this because a that's the 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 character i've played the most on tabletop is bardley barleton yes. um and as and, and for this too um like there's so much talking to people in Baldur's gate and the yes. persuasion skill comes up the so persuasion often. skill comes up every single conversation yeah and like not that you always have to take it right like if you're like i solve my problems by mm. punching them punch people is always an option but almost always an option in Baldur's yeah. gate um so you can you can definitely do that as well uh but i i like like the bard they're pretty good skills um i, I also like always like of course go for the rogue because rogue which is the same it's like thief but it's more broad because within rogue you can have the subclass of like thief or assassin or whatever um because i do not like fighting i want to stand at the back and shoot arrows it's my favorite activity yeah and see the really interesting thing is sure there's kind of this like default play style like people will play rogue often as like a thief Yes. Uh, but you don't high deception, that. high dexterity, yeah. ranged weapons, or like small weapons like daggers. Yeah. Not strong 
like outright combat skills but you can build almost any class into any kind of like archetype you want like you can like fighter um you know you can be a fighter who prioritizes strength and like you know sword plate mail shield smacking things Mm. you can also play a fighter that prioritizes dexterity and you know runs around like a rapier and a bow and arrow Mm. right you can you can be a dex fighter or a bow fighter yeah um you know i was listening to a, a podcast while i was mowing earlier kind of talking about how rangers in the default 5e books are kind of boring um oh it's like i said like there's like those three main books there you could fill a library with like the the extra materials like xanthar's guide to everything oh yeah i was actually at the bookstore today picking something else up and right by the cache they have about four bookshelves now that's just all D &D stuff because clearly they know it's the time to market off of it yeah and it almost got me but then i was like that's too overwhelming and i left yeah, there's also just like straight up novels set in the world or, or one because like there's there's so many like different world settings in D&D, right? Mm-hmm. Like you could, there's nothing stopping you other than the classes are all kind of like medieval fantasy based. Mm. Like you could just play D&D in a Star Wars setting. I right? think that would be could, really cool. I was saying yeah. I would love a game with the mechanics of Baldur's Gate, but like make it a zombie apocalypse game. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, or like, yeah. take the mechanics of Baldur's Gate and make it a space game. Or, you know what I mean? Like, just have that yeah. same depth level of character creation. Well, if if you haven't, like, and it's then dated, but I really would play... Huh? Just play D&D. And I said, but I don't want to. <laughs> yeah, no, I would play um, Star Wars Knights of the Republic. It's mm, so good. I know, you've talked and about you it a million mods, times. Like, it's I don't just, like space, though. You know, you said you want D&D in space, but I'm just giving examples. Oh, okay, the first okay, example I, I said was zombie apocalypse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. yeah. Um, but anyway, like you can take a rogue, which is really just, you know, a dexterity based class that's good at typically poking things and being yeah. like elusive. And you could style that as like a ranger a la Aragorn. Right. Yeah, that's true. Um, <laughs> speaking of that, there's this whole uh, bit that comes up on like especially especially like the D and D subreddits once in a while around like Gandalf and it's like is Gandalf actually a wizard? Because mm-hmm. uh, like arguably, if you were going to play the character of Gandalf in like a Lord of the Rings D- based D and D session, yes, a wizard is not the class you want to play. How many spells do we ever see Gandalf cast? Not that like, many. A handful. I watched, he's just like high wisdom. Yeah, he, <laughs> high he's history really, and arcane knowledge. Yeah, he's a really smart fighter that took a couple of like dips into magic just so he could convince people he's a wizard. Yeah, I watched a cut of every kill Gandalf gets between The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings, and of like ninety-seven on-screen kills, I think only one of them is the result of magic. The rest well, of him is like stabbing people or bonking them with a stick. Anytime he has to do like magic fights, he's not good at it. When he has to no. fight Saruman, he like... gets absolutely slapped in a mage on mage fight. Yes. Uh, like the man has his sword named, doesn't have his hat named, doesn't have his staff named, names his sword. Yeah. <laughs> um, finally, I will tell you the story of Eric and the Dread Gazebo. Okay. Uh, unless you've heard it before. It sounds familiar, I'm not okay. going to lie. I might have shared this before, but... I think you th- did. This is just kind of the magic of D&D, is that it's 
it's so much what's in your head. So it's all based on what you can imagine. So like in Baldur's Gate, like we're kind of limited to our way to do stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like in D&D, you know, my character, I had what's called an immovable rod, a magical item, right? Imagine like a, like a, a rod, you click a button and it just freezes in space. Oh, interesting. Um, yeah. And so like my character use it all the time for role playing to like put up my hammock. Hmm. Um, <clears throat> one time we were on a ship. And we were trying to like turn the ship really hard to, to do something, whatever. And so I tied off the ship to my movable rod, you know, jump off the front, click it in the ocean, and just rip the ship around. Mm-hmm. So cool. Hard to implement in a video game. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the other hand, you have, you've got stories like this. So early 70s, the guy's running his game. One of the participants' name is Eric. Eric plays like a computer. With many games, he methodically considers each possibility before choosing his preferred option. Uh, Eric was playing the neutral paladin in Ed's game. He was on some lord's lands when the following exchange occurred. You see a well-groomed garden. In the middle, on a small hill, you see a gazebo. A gazebo? What color is it? I don't know, white? How far away is it? 50 yards? How big is it? I don't know, like 30 feet across, 15 feet high, pointy top? I use my sword to cast detect good on it. It's not good, Eric. It's a gazebo. I call out to it. It doesn't answer you. It's a gazebo. (laughs) I put my sword away and draw my bow and arrow. Does it respond in any way? No, Eric, it's a gazebo. (laughs) I shoot it with my bow. Rolls to hit. What happens? There's a gazebo with an arrow sticking out of it. Was it wounded? No, of course not. It's a gazebo. (laughs) But that was a plus three arrow. It's a gazebo, Eric. A gazebo. If you really want to destroy it, I guess you could try and chop it with your axe or light it on fire. But I don't know why you'd even try. It's a expletive gazebo. Mm. Long pause. He has no axe or fire spells. <laughs> I run away. Dungeon Master, thoroughly frustrated. It's too late. You've awakened the gazebo. It mm. catches and eats you. Wow. <laughs> Eric, maybe I'll roll up a fire mage to avenge my paladin. At this point, increasingly amused party members restore it to a modicum of order by explaining to Eric what a gazebo ad- is. <laughs> Thus ends the tale of Eric and the dread gazebo. It could have been worse. At least the gazebo wasn't on a grassy knoll. <laughs> Knolls, of course, you are familiar with as weird demon hyenas. Mm-hmm. So anyway, that's D&D. Yeah, that sounds about right. Uh, I have no follow-up. Last week was Yas Moss. Um, and... <laughs> I think we covered everything there is to know. Well, everything that we know at this point, because as I said, there's still so much that we don't know about Moss. So much. Um, but Brad's going to go Loki die because at this point he has edited out about 17 uh, gut-wrenching coughs. <laughs> and then we're going to go play Baldur's Gate. Okay, bye! bye. <laughs> if you like this episode, feel free to subscribe and leave us a review. You can find us at Fun Fact Collectors on Instagram and Twitter. If you have suggestions for future episodes or just want to share your favorite fun facts, feel free to send us an email at headnerds at funfactcollectors.com. If you're interested in learning more about today's topic, check out the show notes. This has been Fun Fact Collectors. See you next week. See you next week. <laughs>